Hi, filmmakers. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Jason Brubaker. I am a Los Angeles-based independent motion picture producer, and in addition to making movies and being an expert in video-on-demand distribution, which I'll talk a lot about tonight, I also run a rather successful filmmaking website called filmmakingstuff.com, which I'm pleased to say that uh, we're going on its third year now, and it has addressed the needs of movie makers independent filmmakers from all around the world. And I'm really honored that all of you have taken the time to come over, give me comments, give me feedback, help me make that site what it is. Because, look, half the time that I'm writing those articles, I always feel like it's just me in a bubble. And at least those of you who are giving me that feedback, it really makes me feel like I'm part of something. And what I want to do, and what the purpose of this talk is in all of my talks, is I want to create community around this idea of a new world of filmmaking. As you well know, and I'm sure none of you will disagree, the world of filmmaking has changed, especially the world of independent motion picture production. And for those of you that are suffering right now, especially those of you who are used to a really good freelance paycheck, you might have noticed that you're not getting paid as much money as you used to to work on independent films. I want to address some of that in tonight's talk and give you hope for how to take your business for the next decade. For those of you who are just starting out, I want to really focus on how you can make this a viable business from day one. And for all of us, the goal of this talk is to convince, well, I don't need to convince you, but to help you figure out some strategies to create multiple streams of movie income in your life. Because let's face it, everybody out there, and I'm sure none of you disagree, the motion pictures change, the, the world of independent motion pictures is changing significantly. And I don't know about you, um, but I can imagine that your story is similar to mine, is that you always wanted to get into movie making because it's a darn cool career, right? It's a lot of fun to go out there and realize your vision, but it's also a lot of fun, frankly, if you've experienced this, to cash the checks and actually support a family on something that you love to do. And the goal in life is to do the things that we love. So I want to inspire you tonight to make you feel like, yes, there is a living to be made in motion pictures, but in order to be successful, in order to create multiple streams of movie income, we're going to have to change the way that we think about motion pictures. I hope to cover a couple things. I want to cover the marketplace and how people are making movies in the marketplace, how that affects you. I want to cover uh, new methods in distribution, specifically video-on-demand distribution as well as direct DVD distribution. And I want to talk about how you're going to go about paying your cast and crew so that you can actually maintain this motion picture movie business, right? Because this is a business, I don't have to tell you that. You always hear show, business. It's always the other side of show, right? Is the business side. For years and years and years, many of you would have rather just focused on writing your screenplays and making your movies and letting somebody else handle the business side. If any of you feel that way right now, that's fine. But a solution that you got to do right now is you got to partner with somebody like me that knows the business side so that you can go on making your movies. And I'm going to get to that in a little while, but part of how we partner and, and put our crews and cast together and build your team is going to be essential from this day forward, okay? So let's get started. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on me, and from there, that'll tell you about where we were, what got me excited about movie making, and why I'm excited about the entire future of movie making, because while there's a lot of changes that uh, uh, represent some challenges to some of you, there's a heck of a lot of changes that represent significant opportunity, opportunity that we've never seen as independent filmmakers, ever. 
And I'm really excited to get to some of that stuff. So without further ado, here's how I started. About a decade ago, actually a little bit longer than a decade ago, I spent an entire summer saving up money so that I could buy an Airflex BL 16mm camera. It was an old news camera. And what you had to do was you just bought the camera, but you also had to buy spools of film. Now, those of you who've been in the industry for a while, you probably remember shooting on 35mm and 16mm and Super 16 and all the stuff that went into it. For those of you new... Yes, I'm talking about it's called filmmaking because movies used to be made on film. So I spent that entire summer to buy that Aeroflex BL camera. I bought all those spools of film. But on top of that, what I had to do was I went out, I made a movie. Took um, It took a greater part of a day to make a 12-minute movie. And then it took the next month to get that film processed, transferred, edited, going through post-production so that I finally had something that I could show people. And at the time... What you did was you sent that thing out into film festivals and you hoped that it would get into film festivals so that somebody would see your movie, so that somebody would say, hey, I want to invest in your movie, right? So what I'm talking about is a time when making movies was incredibly complicated. It took me a month to make that movie before I was ready to get into festivals. And when I got into festivals, you know, it was all about building that buzz, trying to find investors. Some of this has changed, some hasn't. The part that has changed dramatically is the production. You do not need to go out and buy an Airflex 16mm camera and a bunch of spools of film and pay for processing anymore. These days, you take the same $2,500 that I saved up all summer and you go into your local electronics store. And I know a lot of folks are buying like one of those HD SLR cameras that takes really nice pictures, but it also records video, right? Uh, Canon EOS 7D it seems to be very popular, but there's a bunch of them out there. And I've seen the output. It's amazing, Right? This high-definition video will allow you to do that same short film that I did. You don't just spend an entire 12-hour day shooting the film, which, you know, you probably still spend a lot of day in principal photography. But the post-production side, instead of going through all that processing and paying all that extra money, you go home, you edit it. And if you're a really fast editor and you cut that thing together quick, you could have it outputted and distributed onto YouTube by Monday. I mean, think about the significance of how this world has changed. In the past, the only way you'd get that work seen is to go to film festivals or at least show your buddies or maybe have a private screening. These days, you just hit a couple of clicks of your mouse and suddenly your movie, your short film is available for the rest of the world. And so I know those of you who have already made a couple features are wondering why I'm talking about short films. I'm just trying to show you a compare and contrast what we used to do to make movies and what, you know, all the new kids are doing these days. And I say kids, you know, with a bit of humor. It's anybody that wants to get into movies right now is probably making uh, what I would consider to be a backyard indie. So let's look at that process, right? Back then you used to make a movie so that you could go and find investors and you'd have something to show them, Right. It used to be like a calling card film or something like that. Well, these days, that aspect hasn't changed so dramatically. But what has changed is twofold. One is you still approach an investor, but your conversation with that investor has now changed. In the past, you would go to an investor and say, Dear Mr. Investor, I just made this really cool short film. Please take a look at it. By the way, I have this great script for a feature film. I'd like you to invest X number of dollars in it. And the investor might have responded and said, Whoa, yeah, um... Okay, let me look at your business plan. Um, okay, so I see that you want to build a product, right? Because making a movie is essentially putting together a business and creating a product. The business is its own product. So speaking in terms of business 101, and I'm going to be very generic here, the investor looks at your business plan and says, okay, what's your business? Okay, I'm going to make a movie. Okay, and then what are you going to sell? I'm going to sell the movie. Okay, 
Okay, and how are you going to sell it? And this is where in the past you used to say, well, Mr. Investor, i got to tell you something. Selling a movie is really risky. It may not happen. You may never see your money again. But the way I'm going to go about selling it is I'm going to get this movie into Sundance. I'm going to work really hard to get it out there and make the best product available. If it gets into Sundance, I'm going to work really hard to get a whole bunch of people to fill the seats, get a whole bunch of press, get a whole bunch of you know uh, distributors and acquisitions professionals in there in the hopes that somebody picks this movie up and buys it and pays us a great cash advance and continually plays a, pays us revenue on the back end for each sale. And in the end, Mr. Investor, even though we've sold that movie and we're going to make some great cash on that, they're probably going to give me a three-picture deal. Right? Does this sound familiar? That you thought that you would go and make that feature film, which would get you in the club, which would then you know get you into Sundance, which would then get your movie seen and sold, and then on top of it, you'd be in the club because they'd offer you a three-picture deal, and your career was set. And who were our role models back then? Well, you had Kevin Smith with Clerks, you had Sex, Lies, and Videotape, you had Reservoir Dogs, you had Brothers McMullen, you had the Blair Witch Project. So you always saw this stuff in the press about these movies that were made for a very low budget that were, in fact, made people's careers. Well, these days, if you approach an investor with that kind of reasoning, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant, everything I tell you right now in terms of disclaimer is my opinion. I think I have a pretty good opinion, but it's my opinion. And my opinion right now is if you're approaching an investor, a prospective investor with a business plan based on the Sundance lottery, you're not just doing a disservice to yourself, but you're rather unethical. And that brings us to the second point. The second point is you now have the ability that you have to put in your business plan to distribute your feature film, right? So now you can go out there and you can go anywhere in the world through video on demand outlets like iTunes, Amazon. Hulu, and some of the many other ones that seem to be popping up every day, and get your content out there into the world without any sort of inventory where people just do a couple clicks of a mouse and you get a paycheck. You now have to put that into your business plan because unlike years past where you depended on uh, somebody to come and say, hey, I want to buy your movie so that I can sell your movie, right? That was your distribution channel. You were selling to a buyer so that they could sell your movie. Does that make sense to anybody? That was a middleman, right? They would buy your movie so that they could sell it. You would sell your movie to them. They would buy it so that they could sell it. It seems a little bit ridiculous to me. Now with video on demand distribution, any filmmaker right now listening to this can make your feature film, get it out in the global marketplace, and start selling the thing without the middleman. That's exciting stuff. But it raises the next problem. The problem is because sales channels are open to every filmmaker, like I'm describing, you can no longer sell on that Sundance stream alone, because face it, statistically, there's a gazillion, what I would call backyard indies, being made every, I don't know, I'll say every day, but probably every month or so. But you know, there's a gazillion movies out there that are competing to get those limited dream Sundance distribution deals of days past. And on top of it, if you look at the bricks and mortars video stores, anybody remember uh, the local video store in your hometown? Where is it now? I would venture to guess 9 out of 10 times that store is no longer in existence. And if you look at the big conglomerates that gobbled them up, well, their financials aren't doing so great either. Why is that? Well, we have a deteriorating sales channel, right? So you have less sales channels, less opportunity to sell your movie through traditional distributions, which means that statistically, 
The goal of winning that Sundance stream and that three-picture deal has gone down considerably. Now, I have friends out here in Hollywood that think that what I'm talking about doesn't apply to them, right? They think that because I'm talking about backyard indies and making movies um, for the lowest amount of money for maximum profit, that it just doesn't apply to their union indies. They're five, ten, you know, million dollar, even two million dollar indies, right? Well, I got news for you. With deteriorating sales channels, right, and a diminishing ability to get your movie onto that physical shelf space, it's only going to leave virtual shelf space, right? And in a virtual world like Amazon, for example, the Amazon Marketplace or iTunes, your movie, when you create it and you get it up there and selling, is going to be set right next to a movie of a similar genre, and that movie could have been produced for $25 or could have been produced for $25 million. And the real kicker here to all my Hollywood friends who think I'm crazy is this. My parents don't care if the movie was made for $25 or $25 million. What they care about is a solid story that entertains them. Sure, are there a bunch of movie stars out there that your parents want to see, that you want to see? Sure. I, yes, there is. But there's also a marketplace right now that is flooded with cheaply produced goods that are competing for your parents' eyeballs. And I keep using the expression of your parents because, you know, your parents or your friends from back home are folks that are in your life that aren't into movie making, right? They're not filmmakers. They don't see the same world that we see. They just want to be entertained. I mean, point simple, they want to be entertained as much as we want to make it more than what it is. So in my estimation, dear Hollywood friends and backyard indie producers, the only difference between a real movie and a fake movie is does that movie make money? Have you found enough of an audience to support your budget? Which brings us to our third problem. Okay, our third problem right now is you go out to an investor and you say you want to raise X number of dollars. The investor says, great, I see that there's a product here. I see this is not based on the lottery. You actually have a sales channel. Now the question is, how are you going to reach your target audience and sell enough copies of your movie to recoup the investment, right? Because it's not enough to just have a sales channel. You actually have to think about your budget and work backwards, reverse engineer it. Oh my gosh, I just made this $2 million movie. And iTunes, for example, now this isn't accurate, but let's just use a video, generic video-on-demand company takes 50% of all my VOD downloads. So that means if I made a $2 million movie, I don't have to sell 2 million copies to get my money back. Right? I kind of sell like $4 million, assuming it's like $2 download, they take 50%. You see where I'm going? you got to sell twice as many copies to recoup your initial investment right from the start. And if you take another metric and you say that only one quarter of 1% is actually going to buy your movie of all the people that see your advertisement, you now realize that you have a real challenge. And that challenge is how are you going to pay for enough marketing so that your footprint's broad enough and targeted enough that you bring in enough eyeballs to actually recoup that investment. So what does that mean for those of you who are used to getting a solid day rate, right? You're used to getting like $900 a day or whatever it is you make working on these independent films. It means that you're going to have to really, you know, you're going to have to understand that if you can't raise enough money to pay that day rate because you can't get enough eyeballs on the movie, you're going to have to make a cheaper good. And if, if the story doesn't support that, then you got to either go to the studio system or dramatically alter the story, right? 
You're going to have to start thinking about how to produce movies that you can actually afford to produce so that you can do it for such a low amount of money so that you can recoup that investment and get a return on investment and create a stream of income. And then you were saying, all right, well, I'm a freelancer. This is great. But now you're telling me I can't make a living. Yes, I'm talking solely about independent motion pictures. I'm not talking about corporate industrials. I'm not talking about television commercials. I'm certainly not talking about studio films or any of the other or music videos or any of the other ways to make money out there. I'm strictly talking about the independent films that we grew up wanting to make. Something's got to change. So to recap, here's the problem. The cost of all the technology to make a movie is down. You can buy that stuff at your local electronics store, right? And make a great movie. You can make a feature and not pay anybody anything, and it's going to look good. It doesn't mean that it's a great movie, but it does mean that it looks good, and it looks good enough to get into those marketplaces, which is our second problem, our marketplaces that are open to everybody. So problem number one is we've got a world flooded with cheap goods in the same marketplaces that are competing against your movie to get the amount of eyeballs. Uh, the problem number two is you've got to get enough of those eyeballs onto your movie so that you sell enough copies so that you can actually justify your budget, right? So that's problem number two. And problem number three is if you can't justify your budget, you can't make a movie for that amount of budget because the investor is going to look at that and say, oh, my gosh, this is such a gamble and the numbers don't work. So you've got to make the numbers work, right? How do the numbers work? Well, okay, let's say, you know, and I'm going to, every movie's different, okay? Do you agree with me there? But you're going to really have to look at your project and say, can I afford to put three quarters of my money, of my budget, into the sales and marketing side of things so that I can recoup that initial investment? So here's the problems, right? We've got to pay for all the crew that want to make a living doing this, but at the same time, the product is being made cheaper and cheaper every year. We've got a marketplace full of quality-looking products that are competing with your quality-looking product. So what do we do? How do we make a living as an independent filmmaker? Okay, so here's my thoughts. Uh, There's an awful lot of talk in the world of independent films. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have read Think Outside the Box Office by John Reese. And he talks about hiring somebody called a producer of marketing and distribution, or PMD for short. And while I think that is a great band-aid, and I think he's a great guy, and I've certainly listened and been influenced by a lot of what he says, um, in my own movie-making production experience, uh, especially based on our first feature, uh, which, by the way, did not get the greatest distribution deals. Uh, In fact, we made a first feature film. We got into the festivals. We were still living on that old Sundance lottery paradigm, and it didn't come to fruition. What happened to us is we were given a bunch of deals that could have gotten our movie into one of those um, dying you know, video stores. And we thought, you know what, this is great. We'd have the validation of seeing our movie on a physical shelf next to other movies. And we'd be like, wow, we're real filmmakers. But at the same time, we wouldn't make any money. Thank goodness we had the insight at that point to say, you know what, this new thing's emerging on Amazon.com. Let's get in that marketplace. Let's figure out how to market and sell movies. Now, I'm not going to go into the mechanics of what I did to actually make, um, to work with these guys to make sure that our movie sold and continues to sell or why I'm able to get a nice paycheck every quarter. Uh, For some of that, I actually explain it in a course that I offer uh, over at Sell Your Movie, or I'm sorry, HowToSellYourMovie.com. So once again, more information on the mechanics of how to do this, go to howtosellyourmovie.com.
All that said, going back to the PMD, Producer Marketing and Distribution, it's a great concept, but it's still set up to work on that freelance paradigm where we're still going to try to make you know, the expensive independent movie and try to recoup the investment. And i got to tell you something, folks. It's going to be incredibly difficult to do that as a freelancer. So, you know, you're not just going to hire on a PMD and say, hey, you're my PMD, come on board, stay with me forever, and let's make this movie happen. Or are you going to bring that person on forever? So here's my paradigm shift, okay? Our whole lives we've been making movies as freelancers. We come together, we make a project, we go apart, we go away forever. But out of all of that, I would venture to guess, especially those of you with a lot of experience, and if you're new to movie making, you've got to find these people. But I would venture to guess that a lot of you have at least five to ten people that you fully trust, that you've worked with in the trenches, and you know what their skill sets are. Okay? I'm going to propose to you that you each go and find all of those jobs that pay the bills in those corporate, um, you know, corporate videos, okay, TV commercials, studio films, television, and all those other outlets. Go out there and make your day rates there. But for your passion projects, for your independent movies, I'm going to suggest that you take all 10 of those people, come together, you create your own little micro movie studio that includes production and distribution all under one roof. And it's not just a freelance game where you come together and you go apart. Now, of course, you'll work with lawyers and you'll get all this stuff on paper and you'll have exit strategies. But I'm talking about you guys come together and you make at least one movie a year where all of you, instead of taking your upfront day rate, you offer to go out there, get some money, put some money together, make a micro-budget feature that you all believe in, okay? And, and I'm not talking about too many cooks in the, in the uh, kitchen here. I'm talking about getting everything on paper. Everybody does their job, but you work together in ways akin to how a bunch of people come together and make startups all the time. In Business 101, startup businesses are a bunch of people that come together and they play to their strengths. Why can't that happen in the movie industry? Why can't freelancers come together and say, you know, we're going to create a movie company and our five-year goal is to produce five micro-budget movies and here's our sales strategy and we are going to stay um, very specific to our genre. We're going to build a fan base, a mailing list. We're going to rent mailing lists and we're going to base this on selling direct um, to consumer DVDs, like you put an ad in a, in a newspaper and you say, buy my DVD, or more importantly, in a, like if you're making a horror movie, you put an ad in Fangoria, and you say, you buy my DVD. So that's direct DVD sales. In addition to that, you're going to have VOD distribution set up from day one, so that you're basing your whole business on creating products that are going to go into these sales channels that are going to get your return on investment. And if you were to try and make one of those every five years and get it out there selling, then you could create multiple streams of movie income in your lifetime. And imagine if you did 20 of these, and I'm talking about you own equity in this library, but this isn't just a library where you're a freelancer, you came on board and because the guy didn't have enough money, he either paid you a deferred salary or said, yeah, you can have money on the back end, but you've never seen it before. No, folks, these days there's no excuse not to go out there and at least try to make money because those sales channels are open to everybody. Are those movie projects all going to be successful? No. Okay, because you're a mini studio you're producing a product, and not all products are going to sell as effectively as other products. But the good news is, if you all come together and work with this like combined interest, this combined passion to go out there and create multiple streams of movie income, you now have the ability to not just worry about marketing and sales of one movie, 
but you got a whole library of movies that are out there working for you. And guess what, folks? There's still a lot of distribution channels that I haven't covered. You got foreign distribution. You still got theatrical. You still got cable TV, and a bunch of the other ones that I haven't mentioned, and a whole bunch of different territories. I'm not talking about locking those off so that you never sell those rights. But I am talking about making movies based on the two channels that are available to you today through all this new technology in the Internet, which is, once again, direct DVD distribution as well as video on-demand distribution, both streaming, okay, as well as uh, download-to-own, as well as rent-to-own. So, you know, there's a couple different options for you out there from day one. So let's recap. You got a marketplace flooded with material. Well, heck, you ought to be making your own movies and your own material too. Okay, on top of it, you got a bunch of people that are selling the same sales channels you got to get into. Fine, get in there. But the one thing that's going to give you an advantage is you're going to think very consciously about building your audience from day one. And the audience that you build on your first feature film, by the way, I want you to stay genre-specific or at least think about staying genre-specific. That same audience could be applicable um, targeted towards your second movie, your third movie, your fourth movie. And with each title, you got some repeat buy, uh, buyers that come back and they buy the sequel or they buy the new movie produced by you guys, right? You, you, build a, you build a fan club, so to speak. But in addition to that, your mailing list gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So that one day you can say, you know what? If only a quarter of a percent of my mailing list buys this movie as soon as it's available, and if they've already bought from you, chances are, odds are good they're going to buy it much more. But a, let's just say, you know, low, but, low scale, low thinking. Only a quarter of a percent of your mailing list buys that movie. How many people have to be in your mailing list to justify the budget? That justifies the small salaries that you pay people. That justifies actually making the movie. You see how this gets easier and easier the more you grow it? Now, very few of you, and, and I've had this conversation with quite a few of my friends, especially those working in the mainstream industry, a lot of you are thinking, well, this is great, but I really love those premieres and all the fancy stuff around Hollywood and all that. Great. I love it too, okay? But I'm talking right now about producing movies and getting a target audience and getting those folks to buy your movies, right? And you keep making more and more products with the same people over and over again. And of course, some people are going to leave and they might sell their rights and all that stuff. I'm not a lawyer. But I am proposing a solution. I am proposing that we change things a little bit so that we're not so concerned about making these gazillion dollar multi, you know, crazy movies. And by the way, you can still make them. You can still make a multi-million dollar movie. But you're just going to have to take control of your own marketing. So you take the same model I'm applying to micro-budget movies, and you apply it at a bigger scale. Now you're making a $10 million movie? Great. How much marketing will three-fourths of that budget buy you? Anyway, this is a bit of my talk. If you like what I have to say, you can find out more about the mechanics of how to do some of this stuff. Go to howtosellyourmovie.com. And, of course, you can always visit me at filmmakingstuff.com. Once again, this is Jason Brubaker, Los Angeles-based independent motion picture producer and specialist in VOD distribution. Happy to talk to you. Um, Brubaker Unlimited, 6767 Sunset Boulevard, number 153, Los Angeles, California, 90028. And this has been a recording, copyrighted, Brubaker Unlimited, LLC, 2010. But you know what, guys? Feel free to share this with anybody else who might benefit. If you like what I have to say, feel free to drop me an email. Jason at filmmakingstuff.com. Thanks for your time.